from that movie. Please don't remake this. I have such fond memories of that film. Please don't remake this. Hey, Hollywood, if you want to be smart, just hire some writers to make some new art. And after our heart to heart, go make a new star. Please don't remake this. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Please Don't Remake This, the movie podcast where my guests of the week and I get nostalgic and talk about one of our favorite childhood movies. Uh, I'm Lauren Mosier, actor, singer, dancer, avid reader, director, extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, and with me this week, I have a very special guest for the first episode. One of my best, best friends, uh, actor, singer, dancer, choreographer, and a uh, man who is unofficially adopted by my mother, Caleb That's James right. Krachelski. Hi. Hello. Lauren and I are safely socially distanced in our own apartments. Yes, social distancing. Woohoo, because COVID's going to go on for another 50 years. Um, yes, and at the time that we're recording this podcast, we don't know who the next president of the United States is going to be. Seriously, Ooh. though. I, it's election day part three. Yep, yeah. I've had uh, <laughs> I've had the New York Times like electoral map open on my computer since like 8 p.m. Tuesday. Yep. And I've been checking it maybe every 30 minutes <laughs> because I obviously and it who, feels like who nothing is not changes. Yeah, like who is not thinking about this right now? It is it is the topic. But anyway, people from other countries. But here's the thing, people from other countries are still thinking about it. They're placing bets on it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I oh god, can you imagine putting bets on this? No, please. Um, no, but anyway, I can't. I can't. We are here to talk about movies, and the, the movie of this it, week, of this first episode, is the one. It's very, the it's only, very near and dear to our hearts. Very near and dear. This is like our number one shared favorite movie. We have to quote it every yes. time we hang out. Every time we see each other, we text each other the quotes. We always yes, mention when we're watching it. It is the one, the only, the Birdcage. Uh classic 1996 r-rated we'll get into all the stats soon but so let me uh set yeah, this up for everybody wild. it's wild that it's r-rated i mean i'm kind of not surprised there's a lot of cussing in this there's a lot of cursing um, i mean sure that but uh, i don't know I, I think it's too lovely well if i understand correctly like there's a certain limit on movies that like you have to use like the word fuck in a certain uh in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, like it has to be only like an expletive, not like a noun or a verb, I think. So oh, you can wow. say like fuck in a movie once and it can still be PG-13, but you can't say like I'm fucking pissed. Like there's a difference, I think. Oh, or they were they were fucking. Yeah, e exactly. Like if you use it in a sexual way, that also like raises the rating. So oh, the risque, the risqueness, if you will. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So let me set up the show for everybody. So, um, we are going to be talking about the show first, uh, the movie, we will be starting with the stats on the movie, you know, who started it when it came out, all that jazz. 
then we will be moving into the superlatives. So because a lot of these movies deal with like middle school, high school aged, and this is about the time that we were watching these movies, I like using yearbook superlatives for the show. Mm -hmm. So we will go through the yearbook superlatives. And then we have a couple of note categories towards the end about notes that we took while watching the movie because we take many notes. And That's exactly right. And then we move on to the ironic question of the podcast to finish it off with, should this be remade? Uh, and we question whether Hollywood deserves a do-over to try this again. Um, spoiler alert with this movie, please never remake this, but we'll get to that. So let's go ahead and start with the statistics of the movie. So 1996, picture it. The year I was born, so I have no idea what it looked like, but I'm assuming it was fun. Um, R-rated. It was directed by Mike Nichols, which I didn't know this. I looked up his uh, directing credits. His first mm -hmm. movie, first like directing <clears throat> gig, was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? What, of all things? Like that and then immediately That's followed such up. a piece of information. That and then immediately followed up with The Graduate. Like, what? Okay, and then did like one of his most prolific works. Yeah, and but basically just hit after hit. What a way to start. I know. I couldn't believe this is back when Hollywood, I guess, trusted people to do. It's the same thing with like Steven Spielberg and Jaws. It's like Hollywood yeah. really trusted brand new directors to do this kind of thing. And I'm jealous because yeah, that's just fierce. not the thing anymore. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Well, um, that's the privilege of being a white male. Yep. We said it right you here, get right automatic now. Automatic trust. Yep. Uh, but yeah, directed by Mike Nichols, the, written by Elaine May, uh, based on the stage play and earlier French film, La Cage aux Folles. Uh, and it stars Robin Williams, Gene Hackman, Nathan Lane, Diane Wiest, Dan Futterman, Callista Flockhart, Hank Azaria, and Christine motherfucking Baranski. Baranski. That, it's just so iconic. Like, what... When she's sitting at her desk and she turns around. Oh my God, the reveal. I, Armand, oh my God. how You're just, are you? Armand. Oh my God, she's a queen. Uh, and yeah, so this movie is just like pure perfection. So those are the stats. Now we are moving straight into the superlatives. Let's get going. So best oh, yes. dynamic duo to kick us off. And honestly, in my opinion, there is only one answer. Armand and Albert. Yes, I mean, it's it, Armand and Albert. Like, they are just absolutely, like, the couple that is the hero. Yeah. Rob, <clears throat> Robin Williams and and Nathan Lane have such good chemistry in this movie. Chemistry, yes. It's, it's kind of unreal. Like, it's kind of unfathomable. Like, re-watching it, I was like, if they were a real couple in real life, I wouldn't even question it. Right. And here's my question. Is like, is this at the time when Nathan Lane was still quote like bisexual or like when his he hadn't mm. fully like come out in public? I have because no nine, idea. Ninety six, that that uh, I feel like that's a little early. Like this is Nathan Lane's like more comedy career rather than like his uh work sort of improve in, in doing, you know, like, LGBTQ works. Yes, You know yes, what I yes, mean? Yes. Like, he, like, actively seeking out those types of characters. Because, like, he, he was essentially just the funniest. Like, uh, the comedian. Yeah, he was. I mean, especially in Hollywood at this time. I mean, between The Lion King and this and, and then the producers on Broadway, which leading yeah, to the film. Yeah, the producers, yep. Yeah, he was, like, the... He was kind of like the Broadway comedy guy. 
He was like, he would just swoop in and do these projects. Now, all of a sudden, he's doing all these dramatic roles. Yeah. I just watched, because I, as I joked with my mother, I needed a different horror to distract me from the horror of watching the election results coming out. So I binge watched the entire O.J. Simpson series from a few years ago. Oh, I've never seen it. It's it's as good as people say it is. It Like, the hype was really? real. And I... I knew, obviously, everybody knows who O.J. Simpson is in that whole case. And my parents, my parents can't talk about it because the differing opinions. Um, and mm. I decided to watch the series to just know better about what happened. And if the series is 100% accurate, oh, my God. But anyway, we're not here to talk about O.J. Simpson and him killing his wife because he did. And Ron Goldman. Um did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um. But yeah, so uh, I watched that and Nathan Lane plays one of the lawyers on OJ's team and great performance, uses the N-word excessively in the series. <laughs> but that's oh like God. the character. That's what happened in court. Um, yeah. Well, Nathan Lane is really, I think, I think he is one of the greatest actors ever on stage or screen. Like he yes, is just... Yes, 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 His ability to, to play a character and and tell that story, especially on Broadway, night after night. He was a evil Roy Cohn. It's so oh, hard was... to play that part because he's so evil and unlikable. Mm-hmm. And even Nathan Lane found, like, the comedy in it. And he, like, oh, my skin just crawled when he was on stage. But then again, you sort of had to feel bad for the guy. Yeah, like, There it's... are very few redeeming qualities about Roy Cohn. But, like... Nathan did it in yeah. London and on Broadway. And that's the beauty of like someone with probably like one of the purest souls is it's like, I think of the same thing with Regina George um, in Mean Girls, the movie with, mm-hmm. um, uh, oh my God, uh, Rachel McAdams. Um, yeah. She's such a pure soul. Like she approached that role with so much venom and it's iconic. I mean, Regina George mm-hmm. is one of the most iconic film characters of the 21st century, in my opinion. And there's something sure. about these actors who, yeah, like, I just assume, obviously, I don't know what they really are like in person, but I just assume they must have so much goodness in them. They understand the heart, uh, the heart of the world and, like, the pain that people suffer yeah. from, even, like, bad people, and yeah. just go yeah, full yeah, yeah. force into their work with it. But, yeah, so, best dynamic duo. So... Their chemistry is off the charts. Every scene they're in is the funniest scene in the movie. Like, the two of them together. And also, Nathan Lane in interviews after Robin Williams died talked a lot about how Robin Williams really obviously was the big sell for the movie. He's top billing. But really gave the movie to Nathan Lane in terms of making sure that he got to be the uh, physical comedy jokester mm-hmm. and nailing yeah, all mean, these scenes robin williams set up the punchlines impeccably yes exactly exactly and nathan lane just talks about in interviews about how much of a gift that was that robin was really willing to collaborate with him and i'm gonna say it right now i have this as a note later mm-hmm. but i'll say it right now this is an underrated robin williams movie I fully agree. I don't hear enough people talking about this in terms of his work. Like, yes, obviously he had many hits, so it's hard to narrow it down. But in terms of subtle comedic performance, where he's not purposely being the funny guy, he's just is funny. His character is funny. So he embodies that. This, the subtlety in this is amazing. Like it's kind of online with like dead poet society or, or even especially Mm -hmm. something like I'm goodwill hunting where he just kind of rides this line of being, um, 
so in the world of the movie, you believe that he's one of them. You know, sometimes you watch movies of his and he's so out there. He's so amazing. You don't know why he's in, why everybody else is on screen with him. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. he should just be alone. He's just so, he's so much better. It sort of reminds me that he's like the Michael Dorsey, like the, in Tootsie. Yes. Like, like he's like on that same level as um, what what's his name? Who actually played uh, Dustin Hoffman? Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Which makes sense. Like they did Dustin hook Hoffman together. Have such prolific, interesting careers. Yeah, yeah, and they both. It's funny that they both did hook together and both like balance mm-hmm. that together. Like these, oh my god, mm-hmm. stars of cinema. Um, I think if, if Robin Williams is like any consolation with Nathan Lane, like. I think it just proves that Robin Williams was a very good uh, sharer of the space. Yes. He did never, he like, you know, with his uh, opposite or like underbuild other star, like they, he gave them just as much benefit of the doubt in terms of like punchlines and value of performance. And in order to get the best out of him and them and get like double laughs and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. He just, yeah, they were really good partners to each other working on this. And and the end result is one of the most, for me at least, one of the most iconic movie uh, couples uh, ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, so many movies, you watch couples and they're so toxic. They're, the environment is so horrible. But you see how much, I mean, we'll get into like all of their, their scenes, all of their speeches and everything. But the love you see between the two of them is stunning. Yes so is so perfect and i think that's also to be said in the storyline of the material yes yeah i think that's always the case in lacajo fall as well whether it be the original french film or the stage version yes exactly um so best dynamic duo congratulations to uh, robin williams and nathan lane armand and albert Albert. so good okay now we move on to class clown um, which of course is different for every guest, you know, who really gets to their funny bone. For me, it has to be Albert. It has to be Nathan Lane. Every single yeah, I, scene. I might. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, but I, I want to say that. And can I say like the first runner up that comes to my yes, mind? Yes, of course. Because like please. Nathan Lane is the obvious, but I want to say Gene Hackman. There's something so funny about angry Republicans. Well, he's just being grumpy about everything. What I find (laughs) wonderful about his performance in this is he makes angry Republicans relatable and empathetic. A little bit. Yes. Just a little. You do feel for his, his problem with, um, yeah, his situation with like, of course that's going to affect his career personally, what Senator Jackson, how he's found Mm -hmm. dead. And, yeah, he he just nails it on the head in terms of like by the end of the movie, you feel sorry for him that he's stuck in this predicament, and and then in right. the end, you know the kids get married, so like it is redeemable in the end. He lets her go through with this because of what they did, because of how they helped him. For sure. And for sure. and him and drag is just I have one of his lines it's written just, down. There's nothing better. So good. Um. Okay, I totally agree with that. So Albert, and then first runner up is Gene Hackman as Senator Kevin Keeley. Um, So now we move on to most changed the where are they now superlative, which is basically what actor do we wish we still saw work from them? Um, Where have they gone? You know, they were such like a star in this movie. And then where are they? But I think this, well, I think 
this film particularly, uh, a lot of the actors went on to have very prolific, long careers, and they're still ongoing now. Some, but specifically the one that Some. stands out to me is Val, Dan Futterman. Yeah. I He's such a heartthrob in this movie. Um, I just, oh my God. And what, what other film was he in? Because he, he was in like the, uh, the Santa Claus? Was, was no. he in Santa Claus? No? No, 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 no. Uh, I think the only one I know is um, a Jennifer Lopez movie he did uh, called Enough about her like running away from her abusive husband with her daughter. Um, oh, wow. It's a really good movie, actually. I highly recommend everybody watch it. I watched it in, in high school in a, uh, my women's studies class. Which, you know, watching movies instead of learning about actual women's studies is a little rough. But it is a really good movie. Uh, highly recommend everybody watch it. But he's the heartthrob in that movie. He's like the former boyfriend of her who like helps her out. Mm -hmm. Really just, ugh. You know, and I miss and him. And I guess <laughs> my current hairstyle is modeled slightly after him in this movie. Because his, his hair, hair is, is a little bit long. It's a little bit is, greasy. It's a very 90s. It's perfect in this movie. His hair is... Boys, like, listen up. Get that haircut. I promise it will look good. Because, yes. wow. Just like, oh, wow. Yeah. He's just such a, uh, just a dude. Yeah, exactly. He's so... He's such a bro. <laughs> He's so laid back, like, and, and just a little scraggly, but, like, in the perfect way. Yeah. But I miss him. He has great film presence. He really pulls off this movie well. You know, considering we really get to know him, eh, like, maybe, like, 60%, you know? We get to know enough about yeah. him to know, like, kind of where he's at in his, wor in his world and his life. I wish there was sure. more work from him, but I, I didn't even look him up on IMDb. That was my bad, but I... I hope you're still out Here, there, Dan Funderman, and working. I will do it right now. <laughs> I miss him. I want. I will do it right now. I want more from him. You know, he was on Will and Grace for a while. The old one or new one? That could be why. Yes. The old one. Yes. Oh wow. The old one. He was on a, a four-part episode in uh, 2003. Was he one of Grace's like he... hookups or something? No, I think he was a, I think he was like a love interest of Will, maybe. Because mm. with a four, with a four uh, episode arc, <clears throat> that's so interesting. Yeah, that's not bad. I, I dig that, but I miss him still. Yeah, it seems like he's just like appeared here and there on TV. What a, mm. what a shame. He probably does something else now for a living and just like acts what he wants to. Um, oh my god, can you imagine? Is he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in this really, really famous movie. And then and like I had a long film career and now I'm an accountant. <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's I wonder sort of the situation we're in. So yeah, honestly, yeah. I wonder what his like residual checks look like from this movie. I wonder how much all of them are it's still making people off this. All the time. Yeah, that's oh my god, that's so true. Yeah. I wonder. Anyway, so um we're giving so most changed the where are they now category. Dan Futterman, congratulations. Mm -hmm. We miss you. Come back. Uh, most likely to succeed. So this is uh, more focusing on a career that has blossomed and grown into exponential amounts uh, from one of the actors in it. Um, and I, I wrote down a couple of options. Really, for me, it was a yeah. tie between Robin and Nathan. Um, Robin, I feel like, was already like peak fame by the time this came out, so I don't know necessarily if this counts, because after like the mid-2000s, his movies 
weren't really so great anymore. And then yeah, of course they, his tragic death. Yeah, a lot of them death. were duds. Yeah. yeah, a lot of them were were either sad or duds, which which is sad because like this is the time in Robin Williams' life that got really hard. Yes. Yeah. Like he ha- he did have a fantastic career for a while, and then he sort of fell off the wagon, and then like there were the problems with his mental health, and I think with his marriage, right? Um, I'm not sure about that. I just know that he had some health issues. Um, for sure. But yeah, it, it, and then of course I remember in high school showing up to school one day and I think we all found out that morning at school, like somebody saw it on their phone. Yeah. And I remember all of us talking about it and I, this is actually when I was introduced to the birdcage, that's how I watched it for the first time was for the first time oh my god yeah because um they after he died netflix got a lot of the contracts for some of his movies some of his biggest hits and put them on netflix and i wanted to watch his work you know out of out of commiseration for his passing and mm-hmm. i saw this movie i'd never seen it but i'd heard it was good and i saw nathan lane who i already knew at that point and a few other celebrities love. yeah, of course. i loved footloose so i saw Di- diane <laughs> weist and i was like oh my god sign me up and I watched it, and it's just now officially one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, I told you this before we started recording. I watch this, like, once a month. Like, I'm I'm literally yes. obsessed oh, with this movie. It's always a pick-me-up. It's such a genuinely funny and good, lighthearted movie. Yes. It's so happy. Like, we need a little bit of happiness when we can get but it. Here's the thing. I think Diane Weist has also had a crazy, long, prolific career. Oh, like, she definitely like has. Like, after head, after head, after head. And, like, even before this movie and definitely afterward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like her in Ed- Edward Scissorhands and in things like... Um, Footloose and Hannah and her sisters. Footloose, uh, yes. Broadway, uh, Bullets Over Broadway. Bullets Over Broadway, yes. Um, The Purple if Rose of Cairo. If taste of lighter fluid, it's because it's lighter fluid. <laughs> But we don't like Woody Allen. No, no, no we, we don't we like Woody Allen. Him. But he did no, make some like really him. good goddamn movies. Um, uh, so uh, she actually—I had her written down too—is where are they now? But I technically didn't look up um, if she has done anything recently. Um, yeah, but yeah, she's she's incredible. Um, but most likely to succeed, I so yeah, I had Robin Williams, and then I also had Nathan Lane because now he like. I mean, he's getting these this O.J. Simpson. He's doing Rory Cohen. So gigantic. Yeah. Yeah, his career, I think, is like times 10 at this point. Like, once he won the Tony Award for the producers and then did the movie, I think mm-hmm. it's just been hit after hit for him. Um, for sure. Yeah. I, I, For me, personally, I want to give it to Nathan Lane just because his... I mean, I'm, I'm literally... Every time I hear his name in anything, I'm excited to see yeah, it because I know it's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. Because he's literally never given a bad performance, or at least I've never seen one. So, major kudos to him. Um, now we move on to most iconic, which is purposefully vague because for each guest I have, iconic moments or things in the movie are different. So I'm Caleb. I'm just gonna list off the things that I have written down, and if anything yeah. pops into your head, please add on. Oh, of course. So I have. I wrote, I wrote down, like, a few scenes, because specifically the entire scenes I find iconic. So I wrote down the first dressing room scene when when Armand is running to go get Albert to get on stage. And he's <laughs> yes. like, Albert La Puerta! And, like, banging on the door. And they have that whole big blowout in front of Agador and the, the Purin tablets. The um, Purin tablets. 
Which I after think... after this week of election results, I need a Pirin tablet. Please, somebody get a me a Pirin tablet. tablet. <laughs> it's uh, just an aspirin with the A and the S scratched off. Oh, you're a genius. Oh, you're a genius. <laughs> I know. Um, and then the rehearsal sequence, the whole rehearsal sequence. Yes, exactly. You, the inventor, see her, your fantasy, and she becomes your fantasy. I don't get it. I don't think I get it. <laughs> Try more gum. <laughs> Albert. Oh my gosh. We're... <laughs> see, like, it's it just so back and forth, fantastic comedic writing. Yeah, the witticism, the, like, the, the pure wit of this movie is yes. so good. And of course that would come out of the mouths of gays. Like, <laughs> gay people are so witty. <laughs> so witty. Um, then the next one I have down is the restaurant scene. Uh, the whole sequence where he's, like, learning how to be, quote-unquote, straight and, like, play it straight mm-hmm. is iconic. Between the toast, between uh, the get your goddamn oh, yes. pinky I down. I the toast! <laughs> Albert, you just gotta calm down and tell yourself it's not the end of the world. Albert, you pierce the toast. So what? And the th- so what? <laughs> throwing the toast You're right. Their There's no need to go into hysterics. I can always just get another piece of toast. <laughs> so good. Um, then I have... Um, men men smear. Yeah, smear. yeah, smear. Get your goddamn pinky down. <laughs> uh, and then the whole soundtrack for this movie. This whole soundtrack is so good. Between the... It's so fun. Between Gloria. Between um, we are... Family. Uh, shimmy, well, shimmy. here's my question. Is this supposed to be, like, what is now Key West? No, this is South Beach. Is... This is Miami. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this I is Miami. I thought South Beach was, like, a, was, was, fic- really thought South Beach was fictional. No, but, it's totally a um, real place. It's totally a real it's place. It's totally a real place in the South of Miami. Wow. Yeah, and it's. And is it, like, really this gay? Uh, yes. Yeah, literally it is. Um, it's, uh, so South Beach is, it's, uh, is actually like an island off of Miami. So that you have to like drive right. on a bridge okay. to get to it. And it's just mm-hmm. one long, thin island. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, there is like, it's exactly what the movie looks like. It's Art Deco, like 1920s when Miami was first established. And, um, I'll, I, there are multiple gay communities in Miami, but I do know for a fact South Beach has a huge gay community. Um, wow. and I wouldn't, I don't know what the drag scene looks like now in Miami. I'm assuming there's gotta be something like the birdcage there. Um, but mm-hmm. it's just probably not as, as high, uh, high brow. Yes, exactly. Definitely not that, um, that fancy schmancy. Although I do love the part with the chicken falls on the floor and they put it back on the plate. I'm a little like, well, <laughs> Miami, I'm from Miami. I can say that Miami would totally do that. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, the soundtrack is amazing in this movie. All the hits. Uh, Nathan Lane, I just list him specifically because whenever I think of this movie, I think of every scene he's in, every quote, every costume, mm-hmm. everything. The whole I could have danced all, of all the night. Costumes. Can we talk about the costume that Nathan Lane first comes out in drag in in the very beginning? And he the sort of leopard. looks like like Cruella DeVille. Like, <laughs> yes. Like a Cheetah Rivera with a little curl and like, like in the little uh, beauty mark. 
<laughs> the and then eventually, like, throughout the drag show, he changes costumes so often. And then, like, in the scene where he catches, like, Robin waiting for the for the lover, or the, or the he thinks he's cheating. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's in, like, the, the little tramp costume. The one that Judy Garland does. Uh, yes, wears. the one that Judy's in. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. All of his outfits in this movie. I think they wear a lot of Versace in this movie. Um, yeah. well, which makes sense because of the imagine. of Versace's murder uh, in Miami. Uh, that was like <clears throat> Versace was a big deal in Miami. Uh, which which goes back around to the O.J. Simpson trial, which the second season is the assassination of Gianni Versace. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and that was I, I mean a huge part of yeah the Versace story is that it does take place in Miami in the gay community. So yeah, Miami yes. big gay community. Yeah. But um, what are the so I have a, a few more. So then I also wrote the I could have danced all night sequence. That whole thing where they're all dancing, <laughs> and Agador just bursts into the room and starts singing at the top of his lungs like so good. Uh, I also wrote the entire cast. The entire cast yeah. is is so it's well, so iconic. so iconic, so well cast. Everybody lives up to like everybody's equal in this movie. I feel like they all give very equal performances in terms of how much they bring it. Um, right. And then Hagador Spartacus, just him in general, I, but also the just... name. <laughs> Can I just say, like, specifically, like, I really think anything that Hank Azara as Agador does is very iconic. Yes. Because, like, like, truly every time he's on screen is, like, setting up a huge punchline. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like, she works hard for the money. Like, it's something as small as that is so funny. Yes. Absolutely. Or, um, or like with the little wigs on or it is this shoes. <laughs> I literally wrote. They make me fall down. I wrote as a note, just like his whole first entrance when he comes in with the short shorts, the crop top and a cross. I was like, I've never seen a more Miami outfit in my entire life. I know. <laughs> so good. So good. And then the last thing I wrote is the twins with their wigs at the at the club in the very beginning of the movie. Do you know the ones yes. I'm talking about? <laughs> I think so. Yes, yes, yes. The like plastic looking twins that are wearing, that's their drag look is like a plastic pink short wig. And then like yep. the big black poofy dresses. Kill drag has me. really come such a long way. So, oh my God, so far. Um, so any more most iconic things to add? You know, I'm going to have to say, this is really funny, but the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, when the camera is outside the club, like, going in, viewing around the apartment, you know, like, from where they live into the club. Oh, that pool. Always when they're outside, you see men in thongs, and you just go, butt, 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 big butt, you know, like, because it's just somebody walking in a thong. Because it's the beach. It's it's South Beach, I guess, and that's what they do. But also, I'm There's just shocked. There's so many frames of butts in this I, movie. I mean, what's funny is that definitely is a very Miami thing. Like, people just, like, let it hang all out. All out. Um, but, like, for 1996 and so conservative, like, the world is so conservative then and now. Well, that's the thing. I'm surprised because also a lot like, of those, a lot of those bathing suits to me remind me of the '80s, like '80s workout body yes. suits and like jumpsuits and things. So I'm kind of surprised. They're so high cut. Yeah. Yeah, but I also, again, that's why like the movie is so Miami to me because I'm like, of course Miami people in the '90s are still wearing that. 
and they're just putting it all yeah. on, on display. Anything else to add for Most Iconic before we move on to the next superlative? Well, also Most Iconic, I would have to commend the scenery because there's all of the knickknacks in their apartment that are so phallic. Yes, yeah. You know, like, every single, like, penis statue or, like, uh, romantic uh, picture of uh, men kissing or (laughs) hugging or, like, touching. Like, there's so much gay art. So much. That was curated for this film. I don't know how... That's so iconic. I do not know how they staged that apartment in time for... Because right. it was so many things like they they really did have every drag queen helping them to get all that stuff out yes. of the apartment. Because how the hell the the moose the moose. like that moose was damn iconic, but also the giant crucifix. The crucifix is one of my favorite. <laughs> that's one of my favorite <laughs> details of the movie because also that it is a very Miami thing that they would find a giant crucifix. I don't think there's a single house I've ever walked into in Miami that didn't have at Without least one, one crucifix on the wall. Not oh that my big. God. But like Miami is a very religious town. We are it's kind of like a small town. We have a church on every block. Every That is wild. block not even exaggerating and i don't think i've ever walked into a house without a crucifix on the wall yeah and so that moment it's huge obviously garish but amazing um okay yeah that crucifix oh my god let's we'll we'll if we think of any more most iconic while we go through our notes we will revisit but now let's move on to best dressed which i feel like we already kind of gave it to albert (laughs) i feel like that's yeah. Everything that Albert wears is just <laughs> like the little pink, <laughs> the pink smock in the, oh, that he's yeah. wearing uh, in the giant hat right when he's doing the John Wayne walk. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. The straw hat is. is it, oh, so I have good. to. I have to. I have to get my hat. Yes. Nice oh. touch. <laughs> nice touch. Oh God, so good. And all of the drag costumes. Um, when he, absolutely, we'll get into this later, but the, the scene where he puts on the suit to look yes, like the uncle oh, no. is so, uh, when I watched the, when I watched the movie the first time I cried watching that scene because it was so painful yeah. to see him so uncomfortable and, and hiding who he really is. It was so, oh God. And he carries that scene so well. It's so good. I know. It's like actually so dramatic. Also costumes, um, all the little cute things that all the other like little drag queens and gay boys wear when they come in and out of the apartment like little only little short shorts and crop tops yes only has to be i also love their costumes the the drag queen costumes for the last time that they sing we are family when they bring Mm -hmm. the keely family out uh with the crowd Mm -hmm. all of those like sparkly silver bedazzled costumes a plus oh yes so good now, okay, so best dressed, Albert, congratulations. Now we move on to best quote, which <laughs> buckle in, everybody. This is going to take a while because this whole this is movie is the best quote. Is best quote. Yeah, I really think the entire screenplay is just a series of jokes and quotable lines. Exactly, exactly. So we're just going to go through them. Um, I'm going to read them off. Caleb, and then Caleb is one of the best impression uh, people, impression actors I've ever known. So he's going to take over and perform a lot of these for you, you lucky listeners. <laughs> so starting with the rehearse, starting with the dressing room scene, 
when oh, Armand course. and Albert are first fighting. And, and Albert is talking about, like, don't use that tone with me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous... Sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> yes. It's just so, so, like, you can't help but do it. No, like, yeah, you exactly can't. exactly the way that Nathan does it, like, with the exact tones, because it's so good. Yeah, exactly. It's like, also the next one is, um, I'm this short, fat, fat insecure. Middle-aged, middle-aged thing. I I'm made you short? short? <laughs> and the scream, the, oh, oh. <laughs> falling on the couch so good um this one really hit hard this time watching it um indifference is the most awful thing in the world armand and i was like oof oof okay it really is it really is um and then his whole sequence of like i've lost and gained over a hundred pounds i've yo-yoed from a 16 to a 10 to a 16 and to a 16 you've never said a word like specifically the breathy like you've never said a word just the <laughs> delivery is so good never said a word oh my god um and then <laughs> moving on to when armand comes back to speak with val and he sees uh and he sees agador dancing <laughs> to gloria and uh he goes like you look like lucy stunt double and he's like no i'm a combination of lucy and ricky, lucy and ricky. <laughs> <laughs> i love that um uh, when Val comes later and asks for beer and he's like, I do not talk about bloat. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love how specific that dig is. Um, oh, and I love the toast <laughs> with Barbara yes, on the phone. Yes. And he goes, well, here's to your future. And he clinks and he breaks it and he goes, shit. Clink, shatter. <laughs> no, dear, shit, that shit, was not shit. my toast. I just broke my glass. <laughs> so um, oh, you want to do when our, when our, uh, Albert comes back into the room wearing the Star is Born costume? And he's like, oh, and he's like who, who is he? Who is he? Yes. Here's your little chippy. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, oh, and then we're moving into the market. Okay. I love this. When he's in the, uh, oh, when yes. the outdoor market and he goes into the bakery and to my piglet. I <laughs> love that. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and then he goes, um, oh, schnick. Isn't it to my piglet from his auntie? Isn't, yes, yes, that's exactly it. From auntie? From his auntie. And then as he's leaving, he's like, can I have one more schneckin for the road? Do you mind? When the schneckin beckons. When the schneckin beckons. <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. And then when he's told that Val is getting married and he just starts wheezing, just the. <gasps> <gasps> Do you know what? Can I tell you an iconic quote that's like right before? Oh no, we're going chronologically, right? Yes, 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 yes. We're getting really close. Okay, yes. so I think my my iconic quote is next. Okay, and great. It's when they're laying on the beach. Like, wait, wait, wait! Not yet, not yet. I have a few more before that. I'll let you know oh, when okay, I get there. Okay. Oh yes. yes. So I also have though, um, because I I laugh every time he says this when he when Albert is mad at Ed Val about getting married and he, all of a sudden he just blurts out. And if you throw yourself away on some dormitory sledge, you'll be sorry for the rest of your life. There, I said it. <laughs> there, I said it. And he just throws it out to her. And then, and then Kevin Keeley's entrance with, oh, I really got to fire this girl. Uh, and he corrects her and he says, it's porno, not pronto. <laughs> <laughs> the first page of his book, and it's porno, not pronto. Not pronto. Uh, now we move into the rehearsal scene. And... 
Uh, when oh, the rehearsal scene. <laughs> when the dancer goes, chewing gum helps me think. Sweetie, you're wasting your gum. You're wasting your gum. That's <laughs> the, uh, that is one of the best comebacks. Oh, absolutely. Sweetie, you're wasting your gum. I look at gum totally differently now. Every time I see somebody chewing gum, I always think of that. Like, sweetie, you're wasting your gum. <laughs> um, and then he can't do that while I'm singing. Singing. <laughs> scream. He blew a bubble with his gum while I was singing. He can't do that while I'm singing. <laughs> and and then moving on to um when uh Armand is trying to tell him like uh yes it's a drag show, but it needs to be a good drag show and at, at, if possible if a possible, great a great drag, drag show. show. And he's like, so just because you're 22 and hung doesn't mean you can Albert. Let me <laughs> do this. Fine, oh. you're the director. Fine, you're the director. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love all of the timing. Like, this is why they, they are best dynamic duo. Like, oh, my God. Um, and then later when he's like, I don't think I get it. Try more gum. <laughs> it's, it's, it starts in your pelvis, and then it makes your way to your heart. So that way it becomes heart slash pelvis. <laughs> yes. I don't think and I then get it. You Try do... more gum. <laughs> Albert. You want to do the Fosse? The whole speech. You do Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Or Twyla, Twyla, Twyla. Or Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd. Or Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. <laughs> I love that. But you keep it all inside. That specifically just seals it for me. Um, okay. Um, now, okay, we're getting close to your to the beach scene. So then oh, yes, um, yes, yes. the last one I have, because this one hits me really hard every time, because, like, this one just, like, it's one of the sadder moments of the movie where I'm like, ooh, my parents have definitely, like, had a moment like that with me, where um, right. they're starting to, where Armand is telling Agador how they're going to, like, get rid of everything and send Albert away, and Val is, like, thanking him for his help. And Armand mm-hmm. turns to Val and goes, do me a favor, Val. Don't talk to me for a while. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and just hearing that every time I watch yes, the movie and I hear so that it hits real, so it's... hard because like yeah I mean like that's you're embarrassed of your parents that uh... and if that's and we'll get into that later because I I have some thoughts on <laughs> the premise of the movie okay now we're at the beach yeah. scene what's your beach line my beach line is <laughs> Robin Williams turns to Nathan Lane and he's like maybe you should go on a vacation you look tired <laughs> and I love after and I love the later. Biggest slap in the face. It's rough. And then when Albert later is like, "You look tired" means you look old, and you look rested, you look and you look rested means you've had collagen. <laughs> 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 Poor collagen. Um, and I love when they're coming in when they're he's trying to like drag Armand up to the apartment to help him, and he's like, "I hate it when you get hysterical." <laughs> <laughs> and and with the moose, the I got this from the antique store across the street. Too much. Too much. <laughs> Oh God! And then, Don't add. who put Playboy in the bathroom? They should have kept the Playboy. Isn't that what they read? Yeah, they should have kept the Playboy. Honestly, in my opinion, at least put it under the sink or something. Like, put it somewhere. I think that's a nice touch. Yeah. Um. Gay and then love boobies. <laughs> and then I love when when Albert sees the apartment and he screams and goes, "We've been robbed! We've been robbed!" <laughs> Oh, and now we are on to the restaurant scene. Iconic restaurant scene. I feel like this is the scene that would be used at the Oscars for, like, a clip of... For best comedic performance or something like that? Yes, exactly. Um, Oh, for, like, a cutaway? Yes. Where they shoot a scene? Yes, I know. Yep. Yeah. And so... Yes, I think this should be. 
I think it starts. Because they're walking down the street. It starts on the street. Yes, it does. When he's walking away and he's like, um, and he's like, leave me alone. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. And then he's like, oh, and he starts to faint. Starts fainting. And then they're, they're conveniently by the restaurant. Yes. Oh, so good. So and they then, just go to their usual table. Rodrigo. And call their usual waiter. Rodrigo the waiter. Shout out to Rodrigo. Um, and then <laughs> the smear. And you smear. Men smear. Men smear. Yeah. <laughs> With a goddamn pinky toe. <laughs> yes, that's my favorite. I love I pierced the toast. And then I love the whole John Wayne walk and then ending with like, no good. And he goes, actually, it's perfect. I just it's never perfect. realized John Wayne walked like that. John Wayne walked like that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, Armand Goldman. Howdy, ma'am. Oh, that woman watching is hilarious. Like, she must have I had so much fun. Side eyes. Just sitting there, getting to, like, just bask in the glory of Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Um, and then, Armand Goldman, you old so-and-so. You old so-and-so. How about those How dolphins? About those dolphins? <laughs> so good. Um, then the Christine Baranski entrance of when they finally show up at the oh, office. Wait. And after, the, after the straight lesson, after the straight lesson, though, oh, and then, yes. like, Robin Williams is trying to be butch, and he's like, yeah, why do you watch where you're going, asshole? And then the giant guy stands up. He's like, like your dad. He, like, stands up, and he's like, it's a <laughs> giant man. And, yeah. you're, and he goes, are you calling me an asshole? Yep, that's definitely my dad. My dad would <laughs> would scare the shit out of somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it could just stand up. Just standing. And immediately be a giant person. Just a giant. Oh, my God. Um, And then moving on to Christine Baranski when they get to the office. And he asks, like, um, I forget how he phrases it about asking if she's married. And she's like, no, I'm between husbands now. And instantly you're in love with her. You're like, oh, take me to the moon. She just kills me. Right. Um, And how, oh, when they're talking about... uh, the, the first time they had sex and she goes and how long did we last I know exactly from 2.30 to 3.45 a.m. two times <laughs> and the glass ah! clink the clink oh god um oh and then okay so when they're back at the apartment and Albert walks in after driving home and he goes and Armand goes shouldn't you be holding the crucifix it is the prop for martyrs <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It is the prop for martyrs. Can, we, can, can I get a little, like, history tidbit? Oh, that, yeah. Um, a fun fun fact, if you will. Like, when they're singing Love is in the Air, uh, Christine Baranski and Robin Williams, that was cut from Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. See, I knew Sondheim wrote it. I didn't know it was actually from something. Yes, That's so it cool. Was from, it was the original opening number to A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Isn't that, is- that wild? That is a weird opening number. It it serves so much of a better purpose in this movie. Yes. Oh my gosh. And the same thing with the what is this dream I see? And then um, oh, you're going to the cemetery with your toothbrush. How Egyptian. <laughs> How Egyptian. It's <laughs> so good. Um, and then the whole I didn't write the whole thing down. Just like one of the lines from it. The whole speech Robin Williams gives to Nathan Lane at the bus stop. Mm-hmm. When he's telling him about, about the how agreement. the palimony and then going into the cemetery plot and how he's going to have mm-hmm. to move to fucking Las Copas um, mm-hmm. and as he phrases it. So I never miss a laugh and I'm still with you because mm-hmm. you make me laugh. And it's just, oh, my God. I'm like, can every romantic movie have a scene like this where it's just, oh, you just see how like 
sweet they are and just I know so and good. they never kiss they never kiss in the film no which I personally like which just is... for the fact that I think some movies rely on sexual chemistry too much mm-hmm. like we get so many sex scenes or we get so many kiss scenes or whatever but we actually don't see the characters talk mm-hmm. you know and really like communicate and what I like about this movie is you see how they communicate how they've been together for these 20 years yeah and when you associate the love normally through their physical connection and this movie challenges that by having it be through their comedy and their companionship and their compatibility yes and, and it's their ability to raise a son and it's 100 percent convincing like it's easy to fake mm-hmm. chemistry with a kiss you know with the right yeah. camera angle or whatever but you can't fake it with banter mm-hmm. there has to right. be the or connection you can fake it with the sex scene Yes. Or something like that, which is what TV and movies nowadays default to. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then I also love after he signs the palimony agreement and Armand goes, you own half of my life and I own half of yours. And it's just so sweet. I'm like, oh. Yeah. They're so adorable. Um, and then, oh God, so the I referenced the scene already, the, the bedroom scene where Albert mm-hmm. comes out trying to look straight and they're kind of mortified. And he goes... I just wanted so much to help you. And you hate me. You both hate me. Hate me. And it's so good, though, because you're just like, fuck, mm-hmm. man. Like, like they're being so they're being so harsh. Yeah, it's just never enough. Yeah. Yeah, never enough. And also, it's... and then he crosses. He cro- Well, when he crosses, this is an iconic moment, when he crosses his leg yes. and shows the pink sock. The sock. What? One... One must have the touch of color. Yeah. <laughs> so, which I like get. I'm like, oh God, I feel so bad for him. Um, the more I watch this movie, the, the sadder those scenes get for me, honestly. Because I'm just like, damn, like, they're yes, so cruel. Yes, it's so sad because it's like people are still going through that today. Yep. And then immediately following that whole sad scene is the comedy of she works hard for their money. For their money. <laughs> so and, hard for it, honey. I didn't remember that that was immediately following that scene, and I burst yes. out laughing because I was like, wow, okay, this movie is like really trying to balance this. Um, and then I never wear shoes because they make me fall down. Fall down. <laughs> um, so this is hell, and there's a crucifix in it. Uh, and then when he's talking directly to Jesus and he goes, I'm not religious and I'm Jewish, but if things go well tonight, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> and when they're fighting over either, whether it's Goldman or Coleman and he goes, the D is silent. <laughs> um, and then Diane Weist. Okay. My moment. I love Diane Weist so much. And Do when it, she yes. sees the house and she goes, very pleasant vacation house. I like it's uh Severity. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because she says it with her little, like, cute, dimply smile. (laughs) She's trying so hard to be polite. So much pain. So, oh God, so much pain. Um, And then (laughs) when Albert is dressed as the mom and he goes, he was obviously framed and I, for one, would like an autopsy. He's like, that's (laughs) just what Rush Limbaugh said. Oh. <laughs> so good. And then I love the little aside. It's kind of a throwaway line, but it's so good to me and makes me laugh every time when when Albert says, "I played Eliza in high school." 
And he's like, you must have been a beautiful <laughs> Eliza. And I, it took me a few times watching to realize he was Eliza in drag in school. Yes. Forgetting that he wasn't really a woman. And it gets me every time. Um, and then when he's telling, when he's telling Senator Keeley that like, it's okay. Like I'm still me, you know? And he says with one tiny difference. Well, not tiny. Well, not tiny. (laughs) And, and Diane Weiss bursting out with somebody has to like me best. (laughs) And the uncontrollable (laughs) sobbing. Uh, and then this one is just very topical, uh, that Kevin, that Senator Keeley says, People in this country aren't interested in details. They don't even trust details. The only thing they trust is headlines. And that line hit very different now. <laughs> yeah, yes, that did. Uh, and then but I, I love the I love the classic Robin Williams line when he's like, ah! and then Nathan's like, oh, wh- what? I, I, I hurt my thing. Your what? My ankle. Oh, okay. Well, just calm down and. <laughs> I think I have to go to the hospital. <laughs> are you crazy? What are you doing? Why can't we go to our home? Yes. <laughs> so good. Uh, and then when Senator Keeley's drinking and, and Agador goes to refill it, the glass, and he goes, I don't really drink. And Agador goes, yeah, but now's the time to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> and when Diane Weist is dancing with that guy at the club and he's like, I've never danced with a man before. And she goes, there's always a first time. <laughs> <laughs> the lower voice. I messed up my throat trying to do that. <laughs> I am not a bass, clearly. Um, and then uh, when, Kennedy, when when Senator Keeley, he's walking out in drag, and he goes, "No one will dance with me. It's this dress. I told them white would make me look fat." <laughs> <laughs> I told them white would make. That's, that's so funny. Let's know, move on. Let's move on to the last superlative and yes. the last superlative is best all around who are you rooting for throughout the movie um do you do you have a, a person in mind what is your pick hmm. well now that you're saying now that i'm hearing it again i do want to say you're you're sort of going for the couple because you want like armand uh, the, and the albert Oh, the couple. No, I'm going oh. for the kids. Interesting. Like you, want, you want them to be able to have a happy wedding. True, but I feel like we don't get to know the them enough to really, honestly, me personally, we'll get into this later. I hate the idea that they're getting married. So most of the movie, I yeah. never support them. I like never want to give them. Uh, I know. It's so sad that they're such dud characters. Like, well, it's just on like screen very often. Like they're just sort of they don't really say anything too memorable, but the whole movie happens because of them. They they do a good job of what they're given, but mm-hmm. I just I, I find I mean we'll we'll get into this later. But I can I can see that argument. For me, it's just strictly Albert. I just want yeah. him to come on top at the end of this because they keep shitting on him the whole movie excluding him and saying that he's too much and that he won't be convincing enough and that he's not good enough and all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. in the end for him, like the big reveal and finally being introduced as Val's mother, like his real mother. And I just like, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it gets my heartstrings every time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I want by the end of the movie, I'm just like desperately wanting Albert to be happy. (laughs) Well, yeah. 
Yeah. It, that's definitely... I think that's definitely the unofficial payoff because that's not, that's like the underlying intention of the movie. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, we, we need to get these kids married and we need to successfully meet the parents or meet the in-laws, but we also need to make sure that Albert is uh, protected and loved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Albert, congratulations. Best all around. Um, now, quick curveball. When you used to watch this as a kid, did you have any crushes on any of the characters? Um, I would say, I would say Val. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's for me. Val steals yeah, the movie. Yeah, I mean, like, he's <laughs> super handsome. Super handsome. Like, no wonder. Yep. Yeah. He, and it's funny, because actually, when you see Christine Baranski later... It was great casting in that, like, Robin Williams was also, like, an attractive man. It depended on the movie, like, what his look was. Yeah. Um, not a big fan of the mustache in this movie. But, like, him in um, Dead Poet Society. Oh, my God. Like, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and, like, looking at him and Christine Baranski and thinking about Val, like, it makes total sense. I mean, Christine Baranski is... Yes, it does. Is a bombshell. Stunning. Yeah, bombshell. Total bombshell. Um, so, yeah, Val. Oh, God, Val. Um, okay, so now we move into the I have some notes category. Also, Spartacus is sort of hot. He is, actually. Like, Hank Azaria muscle. is a very attractive. Yes. his and Yeah, his body is amazing in this. Yeah, his body is amazing in this. When he's wearing the thong while cleaning the pool. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah, I was definitely, I like, I was, I did not mind that. I didn't mind those <laughs> takes in those frames. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Okay, so we move on to the I have some notes category, which is basically whatever notes we wrote down. So for this movie, I came out with a grand total of 11 pages of notes. <laughs> I will oh not be reading. Gosh. I will not be reading all 11 pages, of course. Uh, but I, I color coded. I highlighted. So um, I'm just going to read these off and then you interject where you want to. Yes, Sounds good. Absolutely. Okay. First thing, right off the bat, as soon as the movie starts and we see the water and, and South Beach approaching, I mm -hmm. say, this movie makes Miami look really good. Like, yes, it does. Like, fun nightlife and yeah. it's like all the neon colors. Yeah. Miami it is really not the does. pretty... Miami is not the prettiest city all the time, but this movie makes it look really nice. Um, mm -hmm. The music in this movie is iconic. Between the score and the soundtrack is just amazing. Like, I love the, the yeah. score of, like, the bum, bum. Bum, yeah. Like, oh, so good. And it plays it like. It doesn't make you. Yeah, it doesn't make you concerned that something bad is going to happen. It just makes you. Not like, at huh. all. Yeah, it just sets the tone for like, when's the big reveal going to happen, basically? Because so many secrets are being like juggled in the air. So it's a matter right, of like, when is one time. of. When is one of the, the balls going to fall, basically? Um. And, uh, okay, so when I watched this for the first time, I don't think I knew, I was a very naive kid, I don't think I knew what drag queen, like, who drag queens were, I don't think I knew that that was, like, a thing. And so yeah. watching this in the beginning of the movie, like, I was into it, and then all of a sudden the reveal happens where that one drag queen is changing into the uh, Native American costume. Yes, and I, you're like, wait a minute. And I, my jaw dropped, and I've... I don't think I've ever been so shocked in my life. And I immediately was like, who are these people? I need to know 
everything about them. This is so cool. Um, so that moment still to me like stands out. Ugh, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I wrote uh, Sondheim, Conga, because it goes from uh, like the Sondheim number. I met this grocery clerk, unprepossessing. Yes. Some think the boy's a jerk, and then immediately, come on, baby, we're gonna do that Conga. <laughs> no, yes, it does. It's like what we know today in the drag culture as a mix. It was so good. That whole edit is so good. Um, I love that rooftop pool so much. It's so beautiful. Yes. Oh my Ugh, god. Jealous. Um, when when Armand chugs the wa- the the wine as Val's telling him he's getting married, I wrote chugging the wine is a twenty twenty mood. It really is like <laughs> fully just finishing the glass. Yep. I love in Canada in um Canada <laughs> Senator Keeley's office the the richard nixon picture on his desk that then has the payoff later of him doing the peace signs in front of the reporters of course he's a richard nixon fan as he's coming down the 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 ladder the escape ladder in the back it's so good it's like what's funny now is i look at well no uh, i'll get to that later okay um fun fact fisher island the one that they keep referencing that jeb bush lives on Fisher Island mm-hmm. is actually the most expensive zip code in the U.S. In terms of... In terms wait, of price. In terms of what? How is it an expensive zip code? Because it's the priciest um, neighborhood. Like, the houses go for, like, $40 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, like, you literally, even for just, like, an apartment on the island in one of the apartment complexes, it's, like, $9 million or something. Oh, my word. Yeah. It's just an apartment. Like, it's the most expensive. Yeah, it's the most expensive zip code in the U.S. Um, wow. What else? Um, oh, I love the bedroom scene where Albert goes to take Val's clothes and he, like, brushes his hair mm-hmm. on his head. I just think that's oh, so cute. Yeah. And I like that we get that moment of seeing how motherly he's been to him and, like, how he really has uh-huh. been, like, a mom to him so that the payoff later, when they take off the wig and it's the big reveal, like, you feel the love in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, because of this movie, I love calling people piglet. <laughs> I just, I just think it's adorable. Like it's just, a, I find it to be an adorable nickname. Oh, piglet. Well, because it also makes you think of Winnie the Pooh. Exactly, and who doesn't love piglet? Um, I love Gene Hackman falling in the orchard. Is fucking hilarious. Like that whole mm-hmm. thing, him coming in with all the bruises and cuts on him is so good. <laughs> it gets me every time when she's like, you could have fallen. He's like, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, I love the, gr- there's a great transition in the movie from when Diane Weiss is talking about the wedding and how like Armand Coleman and, and wife uh, of uh, Greece and South Beach. And then it immediately cuts to Albert's high heels and tights and the music. The piano track. The best. One of the bling, 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 bling. Ding. So good. The whole, that whole transition is perfect. Sets up the movie so well for how different these, these families are. Um, yeah. Just a quick shout out to the stage manager in this movie. He only gets like two scenes, but he's hilarious. I love him. <laughs> it's just that poor man puts up with so much. <laughs> um, the stage and manager then, is a real part in La Caja Fall, the musicale. Oh, really? Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is just a fun fact. We went to school. So the Tom McGowan, who plays the uh, National Enquirer reporter, 
with the funny hat, mm-hmm. <laughs> the funny bucket hat. We went to school with his daughter, Mary McGowan. Shout out to Mary McGowan. Um, yes, and you know what? And I didn't really ever put that together. Like, I never really thought of that. I didn't put it together until he visited school once when she was graduating. She was a couple years ahead of us. And when mm-hmm. she was a senior, he visited the school for a performance of hers. And I saw him and immediately recognized him because I'd seen him in a few Broadway shows and I'd seen him in this. And mm-hmm. I freaked because I fangirl really hard. I, if any, like for people who don't know this that about me, do. I fangirl really hard about celebrities. Um, I'm not one of those obnoxious people who asks for autographs or anything. I just freak out if they're anywhere within the proximity, which also this reminds me, I saw Nathan Lane mm-hmm. once too. He sat like three seats down from me at a Broadway show. Uh, when I was a freshman oh, no in high way. school. Yeah, he he was watching Funny Enough. He went to go see You Can't Take It With You. Or no, no, nice work if you can get it. You can't take it with you. <laughs> nice work if you can get it with that um, um, uh, Matthew Broderick was in with Kelly O'Hara yeah. years ago. And he was sitting with his boyfriend, husband, whoever, like three seats away from me. And I will admit, I stared at him almost the entire show. I just kept leaning forward yes. in my chair and looking at him because I was like not breathing. Um, but yeah, so Mary McGowan's dad showed up, Tom McGowan, and I freaked because I fangirl over literally everyone. And I told her later that I was a big fan of her dad. And she was like, oh, do you want to meet him? Do you want to say hi? And I was like, oh my God, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm going to be a mess. And so I just told her like, just tell him like he has a fan here and like, I really like his work. And she was like, um, okay. okay. <laughs> and I just, cause I was acting psycho and she walked away and I was like, and oh my God. Like, He's just a dude. He's just my dad. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I look crazy, but whatever. That's me. Ha ha ha. Um, so yeah, like shout out to Tom McGowan, Mary McGowan's dad. Um, I also wrote every little like scream that, um, that Albert does in this movie is my personality. (gasps) Every single one is, is my personality. That's just it really is. <laughs> you know, you know. Then also, this is random. I don't know if you noticed this watching this. So this is a scene where Armand has the ice bag on his head after being hit by the big guy. And Val takes the ice bag because his mom isn't invited anymore to come. Or no, this is before the mother thing. He's He now knows that Albert's going to be invited as the uncle. And when he's sitting back on the couch, he has holes in the crotch of his pants. <gasps> I don't know why Val does Val does like six, like something like six holes in his, on his crotch, on his pants, in his pants. And oh it's really confusing. It Cause I'm like, straight boy. well, yeah, that's the thing is I'm like, I hope that choice was intentional to make him look like he doesn't care enough about his appearance because weird. Yeah, he needs a wife. Yeah. Weird moment. Oh God. A wife should not do that for him. Yikes. I know. Unfortunately, um, that's I. I feel like that's the intention. Oh God. Um, At the time. Yeah, seriously. I love the whole "Love Is in the Air" little song and dance that they do together. I love this specifically mm-hmm. um, uh, when they when she's like, uh, "Virgins are distinctly." Oh wait, no, no. Virgins are distinctly. Distinctly. I love the like when they correct themselves because that's such a musical theater thing to do. Where <laughs> we're just it like, is. no, no, no. Remember, we always get that wrong, but it's not that way. Um. This is a, a shout out to my dad. They referenced University of Miami, UM. Go Canes. Woo. I put that in there just for dad. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love when I love when the Keelys have shown up at that at the apartment at the house and Robin Williams calls it a monastery. <laughs> <laughs> just specifically the word monastery gets me the every monastery. time. 
Uh, and he's like, it's very, it's after the severity line. And they're like, yes, it's like more for meditation. It's like a meditation. And he calls it monastery. And he turns and he's standing in front of the crucifix very dramatically. <laughs> so good. And then the Nancy Drew whole section. Yes, Nan- you have to say it. You have to say it. Nancy Drew and the case of the burning candle. You have the whole series. <laughs> And he's like, yes, those belong to my mother. Sit down. And Robin Williams just screams at them. Um, I never, I didn't notice until this time watching it, they call the fake dog Piranha. Oh, that's just our dog, Piranha. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. It's just our dog. Um, and then the, the dinner last scene is just chock full the of whole, so, such great things. The whole dinner scene is yeah. so good. And then the very last thing I have is I love how confused the senator is when he finds when he sees the reveal of Albert and he goes you can't be you can't be jewish like <laughs> totally ignoring the fact that he's actually a di- a guy a dude <laughs> and just uh, you can't that's such a better punchline though you can't be jewish which is also a very south beach thing there's a huge um, miami jewish community at, on in south beach that is actually very accurate I kind of love that actually the movie touches on both of those communities. It's like a little hint, mm-hmm. a little sprinkle. Um, and those are all my, I have some notes. Uh, do you have anything else to add? I, I do. Like all the times that Agador Spartacus, when he falls down, like truly like <gasps> yes. slips and, like up the steps or like forward. And then he has to collect himself before he walks anywhere. He's like, okay. But the shoes, okay, this is one of my spicy hot takes. The shoes are like three sizes too big. I'd like the well, gag yes. more if he wasn't wearing such gigantic fucking shoes. It doesn't make any but sense. But that's the gag. But it doesn't make any sense. Why couldn't? Why didn't he get shoes that fit him? I, it just eh. Because he never wears them. That's just weird, though. I think it's a little too weird. I'm like, I, I'm okay with like, uh, I don't know. He, he should be wearing shoes that fit him. Um... But what it makes you wonder if he goes outside into the world like barefoot. No, he probably wears like flip flops. He probably wears flip flops and he doesn't consider them or sandals and he doesn't consider them like shoes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Do you have any more? I have some notes or should we move on to spicy hot takes? Let's move on to spicy hot takes. Yes. Okay. So now spicy hot takes. So for those of you who are familiar with like cinema sins on YouTube, this is kind of what along the lines of what spicy hot takes is. It's supposed to be like the opinions we have on the movie that kind of poke fun at it a little bit, maybe take it up, tear it apart a little bit, but it's all out of love. It's all loving. Um, that it is. Did you, are you just going to riff off of me? Do you want me to get, I'm just going to riff. All right. Your opinion on the drag name Starina. Is it too simple or do you like it? I think for the time, uh, it it does sound like a headliner. You know what I mean? Which is yes. what she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. She is like, and she is the star. Like it really actually makes a lot of sense for her to be called Starina. However, in drag culture now, like it's less acceptable to just have like a one phrase name. Like it, it you feel like the name should be part of the joke or part of the house or something like that. Like drag culture is actually like now so mainstream that Mm -hmm. everybody has their extensive opinions on it. But I think at the time it was intended as like a female impersonator cabaret performance. Yeah. So Starina like set would sell, I think. 
okay, yeah. I thought, I thought, yeah, for the time period, I thought that sounded. Nowadays, I feel like that's way too basic. It would not work. Yes. But right. for 1996. It would just be like, okay, it, yeah, Starina, great. Yeah. For 1996, considering that was probably one of the only drag joints in Miami, I think mm-hmm. that's strong enough. Um, moving on to, okay. <laughs> so that white cis couple uh, sitting mm-hmm. in the audience when he's like, oh, oh who, what, who's the couple that's here for their anniversary? They definitely would not. My, a Miami white cis elderly couple would not be at a drag show. Would not be at a drag show. Yeah. No but way. I, that's, I think that has to go from the original Le Cage au Fall movie, because like when that takes place in the French Riviera, I feel like drag clubs probably were more of a, an accepted thing. Yes, definitely more accepted in France than in than in Florida, especially Miami. Miami still has gay issues. It is not. Yeah. Like, there are gay communities, but it is not that uh, progressive yet. Not enough. Yeah. It could use a little bit more. Um, but like I said, there's a church on every block, and that doesn't really help sometimes if you go to the wrong church. Um, the green card threat, where he's like, two words for you, green card. I don't, green card. I hope yes. he's joking, but like, it's still kind of a low blow. Like, that's just like, not nice. <laughs> it, it is, but like, it's intended as a white person's joke, you know? Definitely. Yeah, that's definitely. Yep. Yeah. Sadly. At the time, Sad you know, it's just like something that a that a white dude would say. Yeah, yeah. That moment always rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, I hope he's joking, but also that's kind of fucked up. Um. Also, this always gets me. The scene between Val and Armand, the first like when they're talking about like, getting married, they're so awkward with each other. It's hard to see that like Armand raised him. <laughs> like. Well, that's the whole point. That's truly the whole point until he says, "Dad." Yeah, like and sp- I because you're supposed to keep the uh, the audience in suspense, being like, "Oh my god, are these? Is he cheating on his lover?" Yeah, because like it's so suspicious. Yeah, which is true. I guess watching it too many times, that allure kind of goes away, and then you're just kind of uncomfortable with how mm-hmm. awkward they are with each other. But I definitely did think that the first time I watched it. So you're right. Like the first time you watch it, that's the impression you get. On multiple rewatches, I wish I saw them be a little bit closer. Because the rest of the movie, they're just so haggard with each other, trying to yeah. build this lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wrote 20 years old getting married. No. I totally. The yes, idea that he's only 20 really and she's 20. 18. She's 18. She so can't even legally they, drink yet. That's Do, how the conservatives like to marry. I'm just like, do please. Well, even her parents though don't support it. Yeah. And you think that she's too young. And she's like, Daddy. Yeah, it's it's gross. I hate that they're that young. It it adds to the drama. That's why the parents have to meet because this is a big deal. They can't just get married that young. Yeah. But like, also that both parents are not quite fully accepting of it. Yeah, but like also, if my boyfriend Keith's kids try to pull some shit like that when they're eighteen or twenty, I'm no way. They must wait till they're like 25. I don't care if that sounds like a controlling parent move. You cannot possibly get married at 18 or 20 years old. Not okay. <laughs> don't That's do so it. Wild. Oh, I also wrote, why does she have to tell her parents that she had sex? It, she didn't have to. She did not need to provide that information. <laughs> it's really gross. Um, but did, like when, you're eight, when you're 18, you sort of do report it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like if your parents like but really I don't... think you're you're that young and innocent, like you you're like mom and dad. I am not 
young and innocent like you think I am. I guess. I just feel like it's a little much. Like, it's it's so blunt. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Okay, so that's the kind of family you guys are. Good to know. Um. Oh, so this is the thing I've been, like, keep almost talking about, and now we're finally here. Kevin Keeley. Is he more today's equivalent of Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham? Oh, ooh. Like, if this actually were to be remade, who would the character look like? Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham? Or, like, what accent would they use? I oh, personally think Kentucky. more Mitch McConnell. Definitely Kentucky, yeah. I think more Mitch, Mitch McConnell, McConnell. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, I just wrote simply, sending Hopefully Albert away. less purple. Huh? Less Hopefully less purple. Less purple. Yeah. Um, I wrote this just straight. Sending Albert away is really fucked up. Just like yes, that whole. It really is. Like they, they truly talk about like, like putting him somewhere else and like he would never know. Yeah. And like, I. Is he, do you really think somebody in love that you're in love with like. Could successfully keep that secret from you while they performed another piece of business with your son like that that's nuts yeah exactly the fact that gay people were always forced to accept the fact that they were always going to be second class citizens and that people were always going to like think ill of them i i think is rather fucked up but that's also how we've changed yeah in all these years you yeah know? yeah and still changing you know there's still some families mm-hmm. who need to open up a little bit um, and, um, oh, also, so re- referring to the National Enquirer reporter, he actually seems really good at his job. Why does he work for the National Enquirer? I know, for the Enquirer. Like, he seems like he actually, like, is a reporter. Yeah, like, he knows how to get his sources. He knows, like, like one of the other camera crews bribes the driver to find out. And he, but he did that, like, a whole, like, day before them. Like, he seems really good mm-hmm. at what he does. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then this is, uh, like kind of an open-ended question to discuss. Is Armand a good dad for helping Val lie? Hmm. Me personally, I say no. I think his first speech about, um, you know, it's taken him how many years to accept who he is and Mm -hmm. he's not about to like throw that all away. Fuck the Senator. I don't give a damn. Yeah. I think it's rather fucked up of Val in the first place to be literally saying like this guy's i love you and this guy's conservative so i'm gonna have to keep this the secret it's actually fucked up on both of their parts because val val and and also barbara barbara adds to some of the lie and like makes up shit too that then like she creates the coleman name barbara oversteps i think barbara super oversteps yeah and it just it always grosses me out like that's the i love this movie so much but if you really examine the premise it's it's really Mm -hmm. messed up that Armand even helps Val do this. Like if like just wait until you're older and then get married and you won't need your parents. You won't need their permission. Like the, the whole problem Mm -hmm. is that you're getting married too young. So of course you need their, their blessing, but like, Mm -hmm. that's not how it works, you know? And it's just, yeah. Well, I I mean, conservative people do still ask for blessings. That's like literally like, yeah, but she seems the type, but she seems the type who doesn't need it. Like, she seems like if she waited enough years, she would get married without them. I feel like probably just because yeah, they're paying her college bill is why she does this. I feel like otherwise she wouldn't actually care. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is random, but it just kind of popped up, like stood out for me the last time that I watched this movie. The receptionist at uh, Christine Baranski's <gasps> at the magazine, kind at of Christine Baranski's magazine, kind of yeah, kind of gives off a little kind bit of, like homophobic yeah, vibes. A homophobic, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, so you felt that too? I thought I was just like making yes. that up. Yes, yeah. the, the constant glance. I think it's also elitist, for sure. Oh, definitely. Oh, she definitely pulls that off. Like, she... Yeah. Yeah. With the, her the, Nietzsche the book. The hair. The she Nietzsche. She definitely just looks like a bitch. Yeah. Crazy. Um. Oh, I, I also wrote about that scene, like, making leaving Albert in the waiting room. I do think it was really rude that they make Albert wait. Like, mm-hmm. there was kind of... It didn't make sense to... Like, I understood Armand was jealous that Albert is... Armand is embarrassed that Albert is still jealous of Katie Archer, but I just feel like it's a little excessive to just completely exclude him from that meeting. I and, I think so too. And to make him wait but for so long. Make him wait. Yeah. Because it seems yeah. like at least thirty minutes goes by and he's still not there. And all they have to do is Another, ask, "Will you come to the dinner?" Right. Another great thing. Another great thing is when. Uh, Albert storms out after he sees Christine and uh, Robin Williams. And, and the car. He, he gets in the car and he like honks the horn and goes, ah! <laughs> so good. I love that moment. Also that car. Just the pitches of the screams. That car is perfect. So like. Yes. Oh God. Um, okay. What? Um, oh, their engagement story at the party. I know that Val is concerned about what's going to happen with his mom showing up, but their, their whole engagement story is really awkward and just adds to the idea that they shouldn't get married for me. Yes, absolutely. Like it makes no sense when he's like, when she's, and he says like, well, and she said to me like, well, wait a second. Weren't you the guy who said like, no way until you're until 30. And he like awkwardly laughs and like chokes on his drink. It's just weird. I'm like, oh God, if I, as a parent saw that conversation, I would immediately yeah. be like this. You guys are making a mistake. This is not okay. Um, and then this is a, a spicy hot take. Another spicy hot take. Diane Weiss in this movie is the best wife. Like she puts up with Kevin Keeley shit. She supports yes, him with his bullshit really- conservative ideas she does her best to raise their daughter clearly without his help. Mm-hmm. And in the end, like still supports him through everything through the dinner. And all she wants is some goddamn recognition for being a good fucking woman to him. Mm-hmm. And I love her. <laughs> She's great in this movie. She really dresses like a pilgrim or like a nun. Like she is t- purely like a white collar <laughs> Just like Keely is. And, so. And then like a black uh, little like Hillary Clinton type like politician ladies uh, blouse. Yeah. So or, extreme. What is that? What is that? Like a little shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So extreme conservative. Her and like um, the stuff and the, the stuff that Barbara wears too around her parents is like, wow. Mm-hmm. So bland, no color. Then I have two more spicy hot takes to finish it off. Um, okay, they made Barbara look horrible as a drag queen. Yes. I think they were trying to go for some like Liza Minnelli thing, but they did this weird like black, too dark makeup around her eyes that makes her look like a skull. And it's just really creepy. And I don't like it. She looks, she looks like a corpse and I hate it. Every time I get to that part in the movie, I'm immediately like, why did you do that to her? 
She's a beautiful young woman. You made her look hideous in the last seconds yeah. of the movie. It's fucked up. They did her wrong. They did her dirty. And then the very last thing I have is you would think a news crew would be waiting at the car, at, at like with the driver of Senator Keeley, just in case he makes it to the car and they miss him. Right. And it makes no sense. Well, you think they'd be nearby. Yes, at least, like, have one camera on the driver or interviewing him or something. And instead, nobody's there, and it makes no sense to me. I'm like, of course at least one camera would be pointed at the driver to see if Senator Keeley shows up. But that's a nitpick. That's just, like, it drives me crazy. Um, Do you have any other spicy hot takes to add, or should we move on? I don't have anything. Okay, great. So now we finally, we come to the conclusion of the show, which is the ironic question of the podcast, which should this be remade? And I believe, as you pointed out earlier, this is technically a remake of the stage play and the French film and the musical. La Cage Faux. Yes. Um, and personally, I think a great remake. This is like, I mean, I feel like this is almost more iconic than any other version of it now. Yeah, I think so as well. I think um, most people associate gay stories with this movie and then they think La Cage au Fall is based on this movie. Yes, yeah. When in fact it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. And Because the whole thing is we, especially as Americans, we associate um, the performance with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams and we yeah. associate the relationship. And you know, it's wild to me that like movies like this exist and are uh, were made like this and like Tu Wong Fu and yes um, oh so good uh, and like Priscilla Queen of the Desert like fully existed in the time that they do and then like people are still finding ways to be like grossed out or like anti-homosexual which I'm just I, I it, it makes no sense to me I'm sorry like it, it it's been you've been seeing it in pop culture and in movies and art and film and entertainment and laughing at it and like observing it for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to not be uncomfortable with it. There's nothing new happening. Yeah. The people need to get off their fucking high horse. I agree. Yeah. It's like, and obviously these are all things we're talking about as a society right now, but I, yeah, we have to keep talking about they were it. Talking about, they were talking about it when the musical was made back in the 80s and in the 90s when this was made. And it's like still like with Drag Race right now and with like this musical is also revived all the time because it is such an important story to tell that like two members of the same sex are fully capable of like having happiness and raising a child and mm -hmm. loving that child. And it's, and it's still uh, relevant and today. And conservatism. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie, this, this whole storyline is still very relevant. And even though sometimes the movie isn't super politically correct, I still think that, um, the whole, concept of lying to feel like, uh, you know, you think about like, God forbid you yeah. remake this movie with Trump supporters as the, as the Keeleys. Yes. And yeah. And like maybe uh like leftist um political people like um uh as as the as Armand and Albert and all that stuff. 
Um, even mm. like keeping the drag queen storyline, I feel like is still a shock factor that people don't get. There's not enough. Yeah. People aren't educated enough to understand how special it is and how yeah. it's just something people do. And it's none of your fucking business, whether you disagree with it or not. Um, people are just living the life that they want to live. And if you remade right. it... And, uh, and people always are going to want to place their opinions on it. Like, it's always such a timeless story. Yeah, exactly. And, and I they love their kids. And I can't imagine how complicated this movie would be remaking it with a Trump supporter family. Like, how do you even make them come around? Like, that... You don't... Yeah, I don't know. Um, and that's yeah, the thing, is I, that... I think it's a lot sadder, yeah. Yeah, it would definitely be a darker movie, I think, if you made it today with that lens. Um, yeah, please don't but, remake but this. The whole thing, <laughs> the whole point, yes, exactly. The whole point of particularly the birdcage is like the comedy and the fabulousness and the, and the happiness and the joy that they all, uh, perpetuate the entire time. Yeah. Like they do everything out of love. They love their kids. They love each other. They want to try to please the opposite in-law that they're trying to meet. They want to please their kids, but they all, they all can't be perfect. No, not like, at all. I, I think it stands perfectly on its own, especially in this version, being as funny and as well-written as it is, and with such good performances, we should leave it alone. We should like allow the musical to, of course, always be revived and done all the time because the story is important, but maybe not necessarily doing another movie remake. Yeah, I don't think... I think the performances in this movie are so strong. The storyline would just be a lot more complicated and darker now if you try to update it to today's update. audience. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't have the same amount of humor. Because if it had the same amount of humor, I feel like it would be tone deaf to today's society. Yeah. And people would be offended that it doesn't do or, enough to highlight yeah. genuine had, struggles of LGBTQIA people. Better if it was today, like, it would be... I don't... I don't know. Like it would be like all people in California or like on a different coast, you know? Like, yeah. It would definitely to, have, it would be a different location for sure. Um, yeah. Even like in the Carolinas or something. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My so God. yeah. Um, please don't remake this. <laughs> don't just don't Hollywood. Don't you dare. Um, all right. Well that concludes our show. Thank you guys so much for oh listening. Um, please follow us at please don't remake this on Instagram. Um, like and rate review, subscribe, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, I hope you tune in to more episodes and thank you, Caleb so much for coming on the show. This was great. I can't wait to come back. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. This I, I'm so glad we went with this movie for the first episode because, like, this, we literally, I don't think we've ever not talked about this. This is what I think made us friends in the first place was talking it, about this movie really freshman year of college. Yes, and then, like, it, it's always remained such a part of our life. And I always try to watch it very much, like, more than once a year, of Absolutely. Course. But, like, I always try to, to introduce more people to it that don't know it just because... I think it's so underrated and like when it was on cable television uh, on occasion growing up, like I feel like it was such one that was on so often that people just scrolled by it, but it's such a genuine laugh at all times. Like I would categorize this as something I would easily watch like The Office. 
Yes. Jokes that are just as funny. Yes, absolutely. This is definitely one of those movies you put on when you just like need something. We watched this on uh for Easter last year, not this past year, yes. 2019. We watched we put this on the TV at somebody else's house for Easter and made them watch this movie. Because it's just what like this is yeah, this is a family movie. It's a fun movie. It has It is a family movie, for sure. Definitely. I would definitely label it as such. And I think that it's in bouncing back to what you said at the very, very beginning, the fact that it's rated R wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so family oriented, so family oriented, but there are, there is a lot of, um, I guess it's probably just the language. Also, there's a lot of nude bodies, no like pure nakedness, but there is a lot of bootay as you were pointing out earlier. So I don't know, but I hope you all rewatch the movie before, um, listening to this or I hope you all go back and revisit it find it wherever you find movies wherever it's available and um you know think of Robin Williams and send some love up to him and um oh before I forget um I don't want to end the episode on like a super downer note but um this week has been pretty hard for my family when we're recording this um my uh grandmother and my godfather both passed away this week uh within the last few days And, um, of course, both of them were dearly, dearly loved by their families. And, Mm -hmm. uh, to say it's hard is an understatement. Um, but I want to dedicate this episode to them and their memories and their loved ones who are stuck with the hard part of having to mourn them. Um, especially in the middle of all of this, all of these rough seas we're we're in right now. Um, so this is to Bessie Shook and Mike Nunez and yeah I love you guys um but ah, anyway thank you everybody again for tuning in I hope that you listen to more episodes we will be here every week so stay tuned and yeah much love to everybody listening and hold your loved ones really close tonight yeah yes and love wins always love wins always All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.